This is a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z-Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging it's time for dimland radio with your host jim dr dim fitzsimmons Welcome to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. And, as is my policy on this show, whenever I get something wrong on a previous show, first thing, first thing on the next one, I correct it. Uh, If you ever catch me getting something wrong, let me know. Just email me at uh, drdim at dimland.com, and and if I find that you're correct, then I'm wrong. I will correct myself. I'll look into it and figure it out. Uh, and that's uh, drdim at dimland.com. Drdim at dimland.com. You can find the show notes for Dimland Radio at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option or go to dimland.blogspot.com and that'll get you more there more directly. Or And you can also become a friend of mine, a friend of the show. You can like Dimland Radio on Facebook. I am on Facebook, so there you go. Um, so you can do that, and uh, I'm at 189 likes. I was up to 191. I lost a couple. I don't know what the hell happened. I, I don't know. Maybe I was being too, um, I don't know, too willing to defend some things about a certain resident in a certain house that's colored white in Washington, D.C. But let's not talk about him this show. huh? Let's avoid it, shall we? Uh, let's see. But the thing that I got wrong, what did I get wrong? Well, last week I was talking about, in part of the show, I was talking about the, uh, the big Super Bowl halftime uh, performance by, let's see, what was his name? Oh, yes, uh, Justin Timberlake. That's right. I was making jokes during the show by say, calling him by the wrong name because I was playing the the old man who's out of touch <laughs> because <laughs> I'm the old man who's out of touch because <laughs> I am. I said, who's that? What is it? What? Who's that? <laughs> I, I find myself doing that now. Um, anyway, the uh, thing that I got wrong was that, uh, um, that his songs were awesome. I don't know why I thought they were. But no, I didn't. I, I, I don't know his songs. I don't know if they're awesome or not. The thing I got wrong was uh, during the Prince tribute, there was a shot of uh, downtown Minneapolis, the area surrounding the stadium uh, in which the Super Bowl was being played. Uh, that's U.S. Bank Stadium, which is the home of the Minnesota Vikings, who, of course, weren't there on Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> of course, because they're not supposed to be, ever. It's never going to happen. Ever. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. I, my irrationality when it comes to the Vikings creeps up, and it's sometimes it's difficult to stop it. But I'm telling you, it just doesn't seem like it's ever going to happen. But who knows? 
difficult to tell the future is. Anyway, during the tribute to Prince, the downtown area around the dome, or not the dome, the stadium, uh, lit up purple. Now, the stadium does light up purple. I've seen that with my own eyes. They can do that. They can light that up purple. That's They built it that way, and they put in the special lights so that on special occasions they can light it up purple. And I think they could probably light it up other colors as well. But, okay, so uh, it, I've seen that. So the, you get this aerial shot of the stadium purple, and then the surrounding area begins to turn purple. All the streetlights change to purple, and then, you know, and it's, it expands, and it clicks on like, you know, like you would expect streetlights to click on. It's just like bing, 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 you know, it's not all just at once. It's like it, it rolls out, and then it brightens up, and as it brightens up, it's not the whole area it brightens, just a specific sections of it brightens up, and that's what makes the symbol, you know, the Prince symbol. Uh, I think he called it the love symbol. But, uh, you know, the name he went by when he stopped going by Prince for that brief period of time. And I talked about how cool that was. I thought, that's really cool. It looked cool. I thought it was a nice fitting tribute, and it was great. Well, well, a uh, friend of the show uh, and fellow Minnesota skeptic, uh, Craig, was uh, in the chat room last week as the show was playing and he and he said oh um hate to burst your bubble there dim but uh that that didn't really happen uh it was all tv trickeration he was using a computer you know he i think as he put it he said it was photoshopped which technically probably wasn't the program they used but i know what he meant and i went oh really <laughs> He said, yeah, and then he he posted an article that talked about that particular uh, event and said that, yeah, it's it was, it, although I don't think the article absolutely confirmed that it was fakery, but it did mention that there were people downtown Minneapolis that would look out their windows and didn't see the purple lighting. And it also talked about how difficult it would be to rig all those things up with lighting. And I thought it was maybe plausible because of all the money that's being spent to to bring the Super Bowl to, to Minneapolis and, and uh, to get everything ready for it. Uh, maybe it's possible, but really when you think about it, that's a lot of stuff. That's a lot to do. And uh, Craig had pointed out that, uh, <clears throat> that it's his... Uh, his thinking was that, uh, or, or as far as he knows, that uh, when the Super Bowl's going, that you can't be flying over the stadium. They want they make it sort of a, a no-fly zone. Now I'm going to look and make sure that's absolutely right. But I think, excuse me, <coughs> sorry about that, a little tickle. Uh, I think he's right there. And so, what's likely happened is that earlier they came out, uh, you know, the the uh, the station. Uh, NBC was it NBC that the network that played it? Uh, they came out and and did some aerial footages of the uh, footage of the stadium, which, I, like I said, can light up purple. It's that that isn't that big of a, uh, of a of a deal to do because as they built the stadium, they knew it was going to be the home for the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings color is purple. Well, okay, they're going to do they're going to set it up so they can light it up purple. 
And as I also said already, I've seen it with my own eyes. I've driven by it at night and seen it all lit up purple. I think I've seen it lit up blue one time uh, as well. But anyway, so they probably got a helicopter or a drone thing to fly around there. There was no, I don't know, we don't even know if the Goodyear blimp shows up <laughs> for uh, sporting events anymore. It might. Um, and I know it, it would show up for um, for sporting events in domes, in dome stadiums. It's, it doesn't necessarily have to be open-air stadiums for them. Uh, it seems to make more sense if it's an open-air air stadium so that the people at the game can look up and see the blimp flying over, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. So, yeah. Okay, so I looked at it, and it, and it does appear as though they used computer trickery to uh, make it appear as though the lights were all turning purple and in downtown Minneapolis during the halftime show at the Super Bowl. Of course, that effectively ruins the joke I made about a homeless fellow not knowing what was going on and then you know, praying to God for a sign and all the lights turned purple and then of course I had the twist ending to the joke. If you haven't heard it, you have to go back and listen. It's it's ruined now, but you know, I worked on that joke for I don't know, five minutes. Worked on that thing. I, uh, I, no, I'm not I'm not one of them you know, I'm not a comedian who goes and works on material, works on a joke for might work on one joke for for months or years work at hone a joke and bring it out into an audience and see how they react and then you know I, i'm not i'm i'm not that so uh i thought it'd be funny and i and it might have been and if it weren't for the fact that uh it weren't true oh i could have done this as an it's not true i huh, should have been thinking about it anyway so i made a mistake i'm human what do you know uh i made another mistake on the on the Facebook, uh, I I'm not sure how I came across the uh, the image. I think it was because I was listening to it must be because I was listening to a um, a podcast that's called The Dollop, where they it's a comedy podcast. A couple of comedians do it, and uh, uh, one of the comedians will do some research on some history item, a uh, person in history, an event in history, something like that, and the other. Uh, fellow on the show, he doesn't know what the topic's going to be. So, you know, he just gets it thrown at him as the main host uh, talks about the story. And and then they riff on these things. And some, some of it gets really funny. It's, it's, yeah, it gets vulgar, some of it. Uh, and it's adult humor, but um, it's, it can, it can get really funny. Uh, there's a early episode uh, I don't know how many they've done now, but I've just started listening to them. Uh, there's an early episode that's it's called what is it called? Um, uh, Purity balls, and that's it's 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 a fundamentalist Christian thing, and it's where fathers take their daughters, daughters as young as maybe I don't know, you know, I don't know, five, five years old, six years old up to teen years, they take them to a, a father-daughter dance. And the daughters, um, you know, they, they declare, they take a vow to be virgins until they're married. And it's, it's really something. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, it's, it's creepy. 
and it's very um, there's a real undertow of incestuous wrongness about it at least with these two comedians the way they bring it out it's it's hilarious may not be for everybody well anyway I was listening to an early episode where they did a story about a woman named Carrie A. Nation, or Carrie Nation. Um, she was uh, uh, she was very prominent in the temperance movement in the uh, in the mid 19th century, and she she was uh, she was a formidable woman, and it, it, she had some. Uh, I think she had some. Uh, 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 mental issues or something. She had a, a very she had a strange upbringing and things of that nature. But she she was very out for out front and very confrontational about um, uh, getting alcohol to be prohibited in the United States. Uh, the and so I was thinking about well, what is this? What does she look like? I had seen her before. I'd watched uh, Ken Burns' documentary about on prohibition, and they they focused on uh, uh, Carrie Nation, and um, so I, I had seen her, but I thought, well, let's refresh my memory, so I went to, on the Google and started looking up ish, uh, images of her, and in doing so, I came across this one picture of a, uh, a group of women. This looked to be, you know, a, a photograph that was taken, I don't know, 1880s, 1890s, and uh, it's a group of women. Uh, gathered around uh, a large banner, and written on the banner are the words, uh, Lips that touch alcohol shall not touch mine. And this group of women, um, well, they're, you know, they're not, they're not supermodels. Uh, they are, uh, you know, average women, and uh, varying ages, but they're also very severe looking. Uh, some of them almost comically so, which put a little pin on that little there. Comically stern looking. Put a little pin on that because I'll come, I'm going to come back to that when I work my way around this. And I saw it, and in my, <clears throat> you know, white male privileged <laughs> sense of uh, humor, I, uh, I just thought, well... <laughs> There's an obvious joke there. So I posted it on the Facebook, and I made the obvious joke, which was, and the men of that time breathed a collective sigh of relief. I, you know, and I posted it, and didn't think much else of it, and, uh, you know, kind of monitored it a little bit. I saw that people were liking it, and there were some laughs, and it was a mix of men and women liking it and laughing at it. Um, there was, and so I, and some other comments came up, but I just I didn't really think much of it, and uh, happened to have Facebook open when my wife was down here for you know, ch checking something out, and I said, oh here, take a look at this, and she looked at the picture and she looked at what I wrote, my, the joke I made, and she gave me shit, <laughs> and rightly so. She said, she essentially told me, you know what you're doing here. You're making a value judgment on these women. Because you're not thinking that they're good-looking, um, so uh, I started thinking, "Am I? Did I?" You know, I started thinking that, and she says, "Yeah, you know, it's just like you know." She was giving me some examples, and I was, "Huh?" So the wheels start turning in my head, and 
I, you know, so I, I still I left it up, and I went away looking at something else, and I came back, and when I came back, and I looked through the comments, there were other people that were echoing the sentiments of my wife. So not only so I'm starting to think, but when my wife said it, it's, you know, when my wife points out something I'm wrong about, you know, in, a, in an opinion kind of thing or something like this, I start to think about it. And I come back and I see that other people were reacting. And it, you know, three women in particular. And I know these three women. Uh, I know them through the Minnesota skeptics. Let me tell you something. It's nice to have skeptics that are your friends that will, you know, hold you to a standard and call you out. You say, hey, you're wrong about this. Here. And um, I'll talk more about that. I'm going to take an early break, just a little bit early. And uh, I'll talk more about that and their reaction and, uh, and my subsequent actions when I get back from this break. You're listening to Dimland Radio and the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. I shall return, and I'm uh, just, just sit tight. I'll be back. Hey, this is Danny Potts from the Kentucky Ghost Chasers, and you're listening to Z-Talk Radio. If you don't clean up your room, the Board of Health is going to condemn it. The Board of Health doesn't even know about your room. What's more, they don't care. You know, if you keep making that face, it's going to freeze that way. Not unless you're someplace really, really cold. Actually, a lot of the warnings moms hand out are a bit exaggerated. If you don't get your blood pressure checked, you could have high blood pressure, not even know it, and you could die from a stroke. But she's right about that one. Fact is, high blood pressure contributes to 200,000 American deaths each year. And a third of those who have high blood pressure don't know it. If they did, it'd be simple to treat. Call the American Heart Association at 1-800-AHA-USA-1 or visit AmericanHeart.org on the web to learn more. Better still, ask your doctor to check your blood pressure. If you run with those scissors... It's the least you can do. Don't just take my word for it, but you are listening to Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. I am living on Channel Z.
Dimland Radio here in the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. So I was talking about this image uh, of, um, of a group of women seated around uh, a banner that had the words, Lips that touch alcohol shall not touch mine. And I made the joke about you know men at that time period, which I figured to be 1880s, 1890s, being relieved that they wouldn't have to kiss these women, and I was given uh, I was given shit by my wife and some other friends, uh, rightly so. That the joke was, as one put it, punching down, and didn't and it just it was just it 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 was dismissive of uh, you know what you know women are only worthy of uh, having opinions or taking a stance if they're attractive. You know that kind of thing, and uh, I, you know, and I realized, and when I started this, seeing this stuff, uh, one of the Minnesota skeptics, uh, she had um, put in some information there about, you know, about the temperance movement, and especially the women's side of it, uh, was, um, you know, the the amount of alcohol that was consumed back in those days, back in the mid 18th century. And the attitudes of men toward women, uh, how women stood as uh, uh, citizens, they were more considered, you know, property of the husband, of the father first and the husband next, and children were, you know, also not highly regarded. And um, it, it, so it, it, from what I was also looking at and reminded of from uh, Ken Burns' documentary as well, with uh, what uh, what this one uh, friend of mine had said, um, is that you know the, the women's temperance movement was was sort of the the nascent uh, um, um, uh, part of uh, the women's rights movement. It was begin. It was you know women's suffrage and uh, bringing you know uh, given rights to women. You know that started to move forward uh, at. And a lot of that was rooted in what was going on in the temperance movement, and um, so this was important. And the, the phrase "lips that touch alcohol shall not touch mine" was an actual phrase. It was, I guess, from a song from back then uh, that was written for the movement, and you know, and it was it was used to help you know give the guys uh, a little more incentive to give up the alcohol. And what you learned in Kinberg's documentary about the amount of abuse that was was visited upon women uh, by their drunken husbands, and how you know alcohol, there would be a number of men that would uh, you know would spend the earnings of their work for the week, virtually all on alcohol, and and the women didn't have much left over to to take care of their 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 kids and the household and all that. So it's making an even greater hardship, and so. That's what's going on. So here's this doofus, me, <laughs> coming along making this joke. There were a few people, though, that came into the comments group. Uh, oh, um, I should finish by this conversation that I had with uh, with the one Facebook friend, uh, Rachel. She's one of the uh, skeptics. 
she's instead of um, saying you should take down the post, which I didn't want to take it down because a good conversation was taking place now. A good discussion was happening because people were portraying opinions and ideas. And for the most part, it was very civil. There was only one usage of, you know, one, you know, Goodwin's Law had to come in there, or Godwin's Law had to come in there at some point because uh, one fellow did bring up Nazis. It just has to happen. But um, for the most part, everybody, even people that were somewhat disagreeing, you know, so she, she suggested make it a teachable moment and put a little edit in there. So I did. And I, and I said, you know, you know, I left up my joke, and then I put in a little edit saying, yeah, the joke's in pretty much bad taste, and it's what these, these women are only worthy of having opinions because of their looks or something. You know, however I put it, I'm not sure exactly, but wrote something up there. And then I talked, and I chatted with her privately about some stuff. And, and uh, you know, so I said, you know, yeah, live and, she said, I'm sorry I was giving you a hard time about it. I said, hey, no, 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 live and learn. It's, you know, I, I learn. I don't want to be... You know, one of those guys that, uh, when he's told that he's wrong about something, uh, doubles down on you know what what he believed was right, and, and turns out it's wrong. And I don't want to be one of those guys. If it's if you can show me, hey, you're wrong. Here's why you're wrong. Uh, I can change my mind. And <clears throat> some of the people that came in to discuss the joke. Uh, and I like this when this happens every now and then on Facebook. Sometimes it's intentional, sometimes it's unintentional by me, where I post something and it turns into a conversation. Uh, sometimes I do it on purpose. I say something a little provocative and I want to see, you know, get some opinions. Sometimes I do it that way. Sometimes it's like this. I just, I wasn't even thinking. I was making a joke and I didn't realize there was something going on there. And, and then the discussion takes place and I really liked it. I liked the opinions. And some people came in saying, well, you know, <laughs> you don't have a right to not be offended uh, was part of what they're saying and jokes, part of the purpose of a joke is to make people uncomfortable to to you know, push an envelope or to, you know uh, maybe offend, but uh, there's, you know, that's part of what jokes are about and, and all that and there was, I thought nice conversation between the people and the threat uh, responding to that and my, my brother-in-law even came in and he said that, well, it's. He said it was slightly inappropriate, but still funny. And uh, well, yeah, okay. Um, but through the thread, the discussion that was being had here, uh, a person brought in a, a link to a blog, in which uh, a person saw that that same image that I used and decided to try to track it down to see if it was authentic. They thought. The person, the blogger, thought that, it, uh, that his first uh, thought was that it was not legitimate, that it was some something phony about it. I th thought it seemed fairly legitimate to me. I knew that there was the phrase and the 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 period clothing. You know, it looked about right, and the photography looked about right. You know, for the time period in the 1880s, 1890s, uh, maybe even the early 1900s. But you know, it just it looked about right, and. Um, he was looking into it, and although, and I'll link to his his blog, and you can see what he's got on there. Although it it doesn't nail it down definitely, but what he he seems to have followed that image to it being a movie still from uh, from uh, uh, what he thought was a a spoof on the prohibition movement, and and that. Um, 
it was from the Thomas Edison stu- Film Studios back at the you know, in the late or let's see what was it the early 19, 1890s and into the early uh, early 1900s there there was a time period where Thomas Edison had a film studio and they were making movies as it were uh, there's a there's a 12 minute long movie uh, version of um, Frankenstein uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Uh, that's uh, that was done in 1900 something, and I think it was, and it's really fascinating. You can find it on the YouTube. I'll see if I can find the link for you so you can check it out. It's only about a 12-minute long film, and it, I guess Edison was doing these things, and so I, he didn't. The, the blogger didn't perfectly establish that this was a parody, but. His suggestion that it was, that it was a parody, that it was a spoof, that they were satirizing the, the temperance movement, the, the women's temperance movement, you know, the, that end of it. Uh, so I thought, huh, you know, now it starts to make sense. You know, you look at the image. Uh, you know the old phrase, you know, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. If this was a, a photo put out by women from the temperance movement, you know, even in the 19th century, you know, in, in you know those ancient times, they did. People knew about marketing, and they knew that a pretty face will sell something better than a not so pretty face. And I know attractiveness is subjective. I understand that, and standards of different time period standards of of what is attractive changes and and all that. And if you do look at the women in the picture, and I'll put the picture up. Uh, on the show notes. Um, if you do look at the picture, you can see that some of the women in there, there's like two or three of them that are really trying to look stern. <laughs> I mean, as I said earlier, comically stern. I mean, it's just, it's they're really overselling it, I think. And and then you look at them and you think, well, you know, even, but they're not. It, it's, I think I think those are the ones that might might have been thinking, that uh, or that they might be a little more attractive than the rest, so they, let's get looking you know, let's look really stern. I mean, none of the women have what uh, appear to have makeup on. Um, you know, and but so as I was saying about the the honey and the vinegar uh, and marketing. I mean, if the temperance movement, which did have the slogan, the lips that touch liquor, touch alcohol, that if they were going to use that to, you know, hey guys, you know, do you want to get with us? Or do you want to get in the bottle? You know, if you want to get with this big boy, you got to give up the bottle. And you know, you would think that they would attempt to be more enticing and not try to put off put. And that's that's when I was seeing how that looked. I said, well, that that for me points to more evidence that this picture is is a is a parody. It's a satire meant to meant to. Uh, uh, be a knock on the women's uh, temperance movement uh, on them. It's just um, to be a knock on that. Because, you know, today and for the last, I don't know, how many years, uh, PETA, the People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, have done uh, print campaigns and internet campaigns where they have images of uh, uh, usually women, although there are some men that they've that they've used, uh, you know, models, 
and uh, uh, actors that are really good looking, and they they get them naked, and they they strategically hide the good parts, and have the slogan um, or variations on the slogan of "I'd rather go naked than wear fur," and then they have variations on that that slogan. I was looking on the internets today and seeing all kinds of them. Uh, the most recent one that I know about uh, features Gillian Anderson. Uh, who plays Scully on the on the X Files, and you know so she's she's on there, and that's that's you know I would think that even in the 19th century they would know hey well they're probably not going to do the naked thing, but they would get you know more attractive women, whatever their standard of attractive was then, make them look more pleasant make them look more enticing. Hey, look, you know, uh, don't you think that, uh, you know, these nice-looking women are more rewarding for you fellas than alcohol? Uh, Don't you think that that might be what they would do? So that's why when I look at that image now, I think it was meant to elicit the exact reaction that I had when I put up the joke. I mean, it worked. It worked on me. I made the joke. I saw that and I thought, "Come on, look at these women," you know. And then like and also as I'm saying, if you look a little closely, you can see that there's there's two or three women in there that are really really putting it you know, they're really putting the look on. And so I I'm even though I can't know absolutely for sure if this was a parody, um I'm thinking that it was. I'm thinking that it was meant to uh, it meant to get people to think the way I was when I saw it and I made the joke. Sort of to dismiss the the whole idea of the temperance movement uh, because you know these these are just a bunch of killjoys that look awfully damn stern. And uh, no, maybe not, maybe not. And you know, speaking of uh, PETA, <clears throat> this is uh, something that uh, back in the back in the '90s it was a uh, it seemed to be a kind of a vogue thing to do, and that was uh, um, to take red paint and uh, go after rich women uh, wearing fur and pour the red paint on the fur, uh, sort of you know symbolizing of the blood on the fur. And I can remember at the time uh, I was listening to a considerable amount of talk radio, which was very conservative in those days, and I had my more conservative. Uh, 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 you know, attitude in in the in the mid '90s, but uh, uh, you know, I'm I I ha- I'm now I'm I'm much more liberal than I was then. I was a lot more liberal before the '90s, and then then I got real conservative, and then then I then I I've I've moderated, and I'm much more liberal. It's just you know, I don't know. It just depends on what we're talking about. It just depends. Um. So, uh. It, when that practice was taking place and people were throwing red paint on fur coats, it was pointed out by some of the talk radio guys as, you know, these wealthy women who have these uh, fur coats, and some men would wear fur coats too. I saw a dude not all that long ago wearing a, a long fur coat, uh, which I went, wow, you don't see people wearing fur coats very often anymore, especially in a, you know, in a, in a cub uh, grocery store, uh, that's a supermarket, you know, especially there. But anyway, um, their point was, 
you, you pour. They're either gonna they're, the 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 garments might the fur coats might be insured, uh, and if they are, they'll just uh, you know collect insurance for it and either uh, pay to have it cleaned up or get a new one. Or if even if they don't have insured, they got the money, just buy a new one. Which you know you you might indirectly be raising the demand for fur coats because of these rich people having to replace the fur coats that you ruined by throwing red paint on them. So, you know, more dead mink <laughs> or chinchillas. Um, you know, they were, they made that point. They said that might be something that's happening here. They also made a pretty good point as well uh, that saying, you know, it's interesting that they go out off after uh, rich women wearing fur coats. They don't head down to the local biker bar and uh, throw red paint on the on the bikers' leather jackets, and they don't do that. Probably because they're not dumb. <laughs> a rich woman is probably not going to do uh, much bodily harm to you if you ruin her fur coat. But a biker dude or gal, uh, you ruin their leather jacket, eh, you might be in for some trouble. But it's made of animals. You just think. Um, anyway, <laughs> I so I, you know, the the I made the joke, and I don't want to be a double down on it. Uh, it was uh, it it just seemed once I learned some stuff, <laughs> had a discussion, starting with my wife, then with others. I realized, yeah, you know, yeah, you guys are right. Um, I'll just uh, you know. I'll, I'll have to think about the, these kinds of jokes before I make them. Says, is that what I'm saying? Is that what I mean to say? I didn't intend it to come out that way, but really, that's how it happens. I mean, you know, because if that was a parody ad, it worked. It, it elicited the response it was looking for. Uh, it, the response in me that it was looking for. Okay, well, it's time for my second break. Already? Yeah. Maybe a little early, but I'll take my second break. I've got other stuff to talk about, I think. <laughs> we'll find out. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I will return. Uh, sit tight. up a good time on your favorite radio station. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. <laughs> your assignment is to listen to Buzz on Monday nights from 8 to 10 p.m. Central on ztalkradio.com. This message will self-destruct. He's endlessly pushing the rock of reason up the hill of paranormal. It's Dr. Dim, and you're listening to Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. 
Influenza season is upon us and it can be a killer. But it's not too late to vaccinate. Usually most cases of influenza in Minnesota don't even occur until January or February and the season lasts all the way through April. Get a flu shot now and you'll protect not only yourself but those around you. See your doctor or visit mdhflu.com to find a flu clinic near you. This message from the Minnesota Department of Health. Listen to Z Talk Radio on ZTalkRadio.com. Yeah, this ought to be good. Well, it ought to be. I hope it is. Uh, and it's 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 kind of a different sort of a pedantic moment than I normally do. Um, I was watching a, a movie the other day, a movie from uh, a sci-fi classic from 1976, Logan's Run. Have you ever seen Logan's Run? Now, in 1976, Logan's Run was considered the the uh, the big time sci-fi film. This was uh, going to change things. It was it impressed audiences and impressed the Academy enough to give it a special Academy Award for its visual effects. I don't think they had actually come up had the category for visual effects yet, well, a regular category. So they gave it a special Academy Award for its visual effects. And um, you look at it now, <laughs> uh, the visual effects are um, fairly crude. I mean, they're not bad. And for mid-70s, they're not, you know, they're pretty good, I suppose, for mid-70s. But if you consider that the next year, the following year, Star Wars came out, and what that did for visual effects, and... If you can find yourself a copy of the original Star Wars, the 1977 film, uh, A New Hope, Episode 4, if you can find that undoctored, you know, the, not the special editions that came out later where they did a bunch of rigmaritz with it, some of it didn't, didn't bother me at all, but the few things, you know, like Han not shooting at first or what, you know, I mean, Greedo didn't even get a shot off. Han just shoots him. Yeah, it's just, that's the way it was supposed to be. I mean, why would you ruin it? I mean, Lucas, jeez, what kind of a storyteller are you? Do you know how much that informed the character of Han Solo? Do you know how much that, that you know how dangerous that made him? That it's, it's like he's you know he's going to take care of himself. It's, we we learn so much about his character in that one moment, and then you take all of it back by having Greedo shoot first. And how did Greedo miss? He's right there. I mean, he's got the gun. He's got the drop on him. He's, he's he's aiming his blaster right at Han Solo, and he somehow misses. 
And then, and then I guess that when they came out on DVD, they made it so that they were shooting at the same time. It says no, it's you, if you watch the original film, it's just solo shooting. It's just a bunch of smoke and over, you know, on his face falls Greedo. It just boom. That's that's how it goes, and that's how it should be. Yeah, it's, just, it's otherwise everything else is ridiculous. Again, how does how does Greedo miss from that close? How do you miss? And so anyway, and 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 then you lose all that character that you built with that scene for Han Solo. Anyway, if you can find yourself an undoctored copy of it, I do have one on VHS, uh, and y you watch that the special effects. Although not as great uh, today as they seemed back then, they still hold up pretty well. They still look pretty good. You know, I mean, some of the improvements to the to the special effects that they did when they did the special editions, uh, you know, work a little bit nicer. And some of it, you know, where they they you see the uh, the X-wing fighters uh, and the Y-wing fighters taking off from uh, the moon of Yavin. To go get to the the uh, uh, the Death Star uh, for that final battle, and in the original release, it was just points of light zipping off, you know, into off into the sky. This in the special editions releases, you could see the the craft rising up, and you get better shots of them. You could see them. So, and that was a that was a that was good. That was one of the changes they made. That was good, but you know, otherwise. But okay. But if you compare. The special effects used in Logan's Run, and the special effects in a film that's just a year later, the improvement, and you compare them both now, it, the the Star Wars special effects hold up much better. Yes, they're not quite as as you know, like as great as they were when we first saw it, but they do hold up better. So, <clears throat> Logan's Run. If you don't know what that movie is about, it takes place. Uh, in uh, the 23rd century, in the year 2274, and it's uh, these 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 the society had been built where uh, they live in these domed cities, and all their needs are provided for. The people live there; it's all provided for, and and it's uh, it's it's this wonderful existence. You know, it's just just seeking pleasures. This essentially is what it is. Uh, the only catch. Is that uh, when you turn 30, you're dead. <laughs> you only get 30 years. I guess when the book came out, it was when you turned 21. They ex they they expanded the number of years for a little bit uh, to 30. And here, uh, a bit of pedantry here is that Michael York, the star of the film, uh, who plays a Sandman. The Sandmen are the cops that go and they catch the runners, the people that decide that they don't want to go through the ritual of what they call carousel, where to, to renew, to come back, to be reincarnated and come back. So, you know, uh, so that they, they, they get their 30 years, but maybe they get a chance to renew. Although nobody's ever known anybody to renew. But uh, anyway, the Sandmen, they chase these these runners and they kill them. <laughs> because, you know, you, you, you just got to have this balance for the society. And... Um, Low, uh, uh, Michael York was in his 30s. He was uh, 33 or 34 when he was making the movie. So he should have been dead. Now his co-star, Jenny Auguter, who plays a character named uh, uh, Jessica, 
uh, Jenny Auger was right in the right age range. She was about the age of the character she was playing there. Um, so she was in her she was in her mid twenties, twenty four or something like that. And uh, so uh, the story is that uh, you know Logan has to has to find this this thing called Sanctuary. The, the runners are all going to this place called Sanctuary. And so, and they make him a runner. They take time. They they, they have a little crystal that they have embedded in their palms, which you know, <laughs> if, you know, if it's in your right palm and you're right-handed, <clears throat> and those <clears throat> for you fellas, <clears throat> for those uh, special moments alone, ha, you're gonna have to go southpaw. Anyway, um, or was it their left hands? I think it was in the left hands. Now that I think about it. Anyway, doesn't matter. You'd have to go the other way. Uh, <laughs> uh, so they they took away his years and that he had left. So he's becomes a runner, and uh, and it's, it all goes from there. And the thing that I wanted to bring up that that's it's 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 kind of a pedantic moment, but it's 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 a definitely it's definitely a moment of of something uh, that uh, well, let me get you to there. Logan and Jessica are, are running. They they end they end up going into the bowels of the of the city, you know, beneath where all the controls are, or whatever, whatever, whatever stuff. And there's a bunch of water down there, whatever. And they end up getting flooded, and they the water comes pouring through, and the two of them are getting splashed around, and they end up on some elevator, which takes them even lower in there. Now they're soaking wet and they're going lower down and as they go lower down they get to a section that is is uh, refrigerated. In fact, it's a it's a freezer. It's just there it's just iced up all over the place. There's there's ice all over the ground or snow or whatever. There's ice sculptures around of animals defining this weird place and they get in there and they're and they're wet and they're cold and they're shivering and they for I don't know why they're there, but there's a bunch of animal skins piled up in one part of this this big area that they've walked into, and so they decide to wrap up in the furs or the uh, animal skins. And as they're grabbing them, uh, Logan says, "Wait, let's take off these wet clothes before we freeze, before we put these the animal things on." <laughs> and and you know, so that's that the, that's a moment for the the well to get Jenny. <laughs> Jenny Auger naked. <laughs> that's 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 all it's there for. This is, that is it. That is the only reason to have that thing happen. Because, okay, so we see Michael York take off his his shirt, his sweater, whatever it is. He takes that off, and then he wraps a fur around him. He keeps his pants on, but uh, uh, you know, Auger Jessica, she's wearing just some nighty kind of thing and some tights. And so she takes that off, and we see her starting to take the tights off, and the, the shot changes, and it comes back, and then she's completely undone. And, uh, you know, so her boobs are out, but she's got herself strategically turned in the lower half, so we, we see her butt. So, you know, we don't, you know, we don't, you know, you know we don't see the, the naughtiest of naughty bits. She has a weird thing on her back, though, the small of her back. There's a weird thing. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but you don't see it now. But it's the whole moment was just to get her naked. So we could look at her boobs and her butt, and then so they wrap up in these things, and then they sit down, and 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 you know huddle together to try to warm up, 
And uh, and it's at that point that this character, it's a robot called Box, comes in there. And he's responsible for all these animal sculptures that we see. And, and we learn some other stuff that he does. He comes in and talks to him for a moment and he says, oh, let me show you something. You know? So, I mean, the whole scene from them getting naked and putting on the animal skins and Box coming in, talking to him for a little bit and walking out, only takes like, I don't know, two minutes, less than that? And they're getting dressed again. What, you close-dried in that much time? It's not like there's some kind of a cut that shows that they were there for a long time. No, it's the minute, the minute they sit down in their furs, in comes Box. And then they jump up. They say, it, the whole thing was just to get Jenny Auger naked. Now, I'm not complaining. Because, you know, Jenny Auger, I mean, you know. But, oh, the movie, let me tell you. <laughs> the movie... Uh, you know, it, it's 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 intriguing. Uh, it has some interesting concept about you know a society where they decided that uh, you know you get to live here and have just pleasure. Nobody works. Nobody doesn't. Everything's provided for them, and they get to go through these transporter devices if they're feeling like uh, you know if they're feeling horny and they want to have sex with somebody, they can hook up this you know activate their their uh, transporter thing, and if people want to. You know, they want to go off and have some anonymous sex. You know, just, just, you know, they can hop into this thing and they can be transported around and say, yeah, okay, I'll go with you. Come on, let's go. And, uh, you know, it's, that's how, uh, that's how Logan and Jenny or Jessica meet. That's how they meet there. That's, that's their meet cute. And, uh, or it's kind of, kind of gross, but, and she wasn't interested in, in, uh, anything any sex for whatever reason seems kind of odd but uh anyway it, it's it's kind of an intriguing idea for a society you know that you got to die at age 30 and and the kids you know pregnancies or whatever somehow they're they're the babies are gestated outside the moms and nobody knows who their their children are and you know who the mother is or whatever <laughs> I guess Logan has a child, and he's looking at the infirmary, and he's looking at the a baby in there, and he knows it's it's his, but he has no idea who the mother is. It's just it doesn't nobody cares, and he just walks off, and you know the, these babies will be taken care of, and they'll come out and start their hedonistic life, and 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 whatnot. And they eventually, uh, Logan and Jessica eventually do get out of out of uh, they get out of the dome, and they go out into the actual world outside. And they, it's outside is not soft and warm and wonderful. It's 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 hard and it gets cold and it's and it's dirty. And uh, they meet Peter Ustinov, the character play you know, Peter you know, Peter Ustinov, the actor. He plays this character, an old man. And they've never seen anybody old. In fact, he's got you know wrinkles around his on his face. And and and, and Jessica asks about these cracks on his face and says, "Do they hurt?" And he says, "No." And she's, "Can I? Can I?" Can I touch them? And so she feels the wrinkles on his on his cheeks. Uh, it's you know interesting, and it also has Farrah Fawcett Majors in the movie. One of her first film roles, I think, uh, it might, the might have been her second one. She was in the Myra Breckenridge film, which was a real terrible movie, I guess, with uh, with uh, Raquel Welsh. And uh, uh, anyway, so Farrah Fawcett Major play, Majors, she plays Holly, who is the assistant for this plastic surgeon who uses the cutting-edge technology to, you know, somebody just doesn't like their face, they want to get a new one, he, he makes them up. He also helps the runners. He's, he's in with this group that helped the runners. And, and so he, uh, 
you know, he can make the runners look different. And so Logan wants to change his look, and it, it kind of goes there. But uh, let me tell you something. Farrah, <laughs> not too good at acting. <laughs> There's a part in there where Logan and Jessica are are being confronted by the secret group uh, that helped the runners to get to Sanctuary. And you know, there was a there was a, a battle between Logan and the, the plastic surgeon where the surgeon gets killed. And I'm spoiling all kinds of things for you. I'm sorry, but that's, you know, the movie's from 1976. What are you going to do? And Holly catches up with him and says, Oh, he killed Doc. He killed him. And then Jenny Auger, or Jessica, leads the witness <laughs> and leads Holly into remembering what happened. He says, Remember how he said he was running? Remember how it's... Oh, yeah. Oh, she's so bad. She's really bad, but she looks great. She looks. She looked awesome. Anyway, uh, that could be a movie recommendation for you if you're into that sort of thing to check out Logan's Run. It uh, it's it's all right. Well, I got three cool things for the week, and let's see. Number three on Facebook on a on a comic book fan page, uh, somebody had posted an image from it was the letters page for one of Marvel comics, and you know fans of comic books would write in and uh, you know to get to ask questions or whatever and it said that this letter it would sign it, it it said that it came from somebody named Walt Simonson now comic book fans might recognize that name there's an artist named Walt Simonson who's one of the great comic book artists from the 70s 80s I, he, he might even still be working but uh, he's one of the great artists and uh, the person who posted this in the fan comic book fan page said does anybody know if this is if this is the Walt Simonson and so they were asking and then the Walt Simonson who has who's on Facebook he popped in there and said that's me he said back when I was a kid I used to you know write letters to Marvel Comics and I had a few posted in there and it really was Walt Simonson you can click and go to his page and say that that's the guy it's not some somebody pretending to be him it was actually him that's cool uh, the second cool thing is there is an optical illusion that uh, has been making its way around the uh, the internets, and it's uh, it's a photograph of a cobblestone type street, uh, and it, that goes off at an angle away from you know from the camera. You know, it's just you know, perspective kind of you know how the perspective works, and it's a and it's the photograph is placed next to an identical photograph. It's the same picture. It's the exact same picture. But when you set the two together, the angles change. The one on the left looks more looks more vertical. The one on the right looks like the angles sloped more to to the uh, to the left side of the photograph. It's it's so it's 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 amazing. And I'll I'll link to it on the show notes so you can check it out. And it's just and it's also for those people who say I know what I saw. No, you don't. Your eyes can play tricks on you. Don't trust them. <laughs> and number one, coolest thing of the week, and this may be a bit controversial, President Barack Obama's portrait for the Smithsonian National Gallery and the Smithsonian, this is not the portrait that's going to hang in the White House, I found out. Uh, it's going in the Smithsonian. It's go uh, and it, his portrait has come out, and I, I didn't write the name of the artist. I'll put the information down or links to it in the show notes. It's awesome. I think it's great. It looks it's unusual. He's sitting in a chair. It looks just like Obama. It looks it's great. And and he's surrounded by leaves. 
these green leaves, and it's just and and you and you know, and of course the internet's having a, a shit fit. You know, the ones that don't like Obama, and of course are are hating it. But it's an unusual portrait, uh, and you know he doesn't have a tie on, <gasps> and and he's you know it's. But I think it's brilliant. I think it looks great. And you know the artist might be somewhat controversial in some other stuff he's done, but so what? Uh, Michelle Obama's portrait that's going to go in the Smithsonian. Um, I'm a little. That's doesn't. It's okay. It it looks like her, but it's not a. It's not as photographic like her as a as Brock's portrait is. But 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 it's it's good. It's just it's not, maybe not my thing. But let me tell you, the uh, President Obama's uh, portrait that, that's come out this week, it is awesome. I, th- I think it's really cool. I, you know, what do I know? But uh, I just think it's really cool. Good night, Herr Doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. I hope you've had at least three cool things happen for you this week. And since I've come to the end of another show, i got to tell you to be skeptical and that extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And uh, uh, our thoughts, of course, go on to, you know what, and I'll try not to talk about it because it's a bummer, but uh, I don't know the answer, and you know what I'm talking about. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons, reminding you all to sleep the lights off and be good to each other. You can check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option. And you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. Well, I'm going to hell.